Amen. Can we have got a good hand clap of praise this morning? Amen. If you're excited about Christmas this year, give God a good shout of praise. Amen. It's going to be an amazing Christmas here at TWBC. Thank you for joining us here for the kickoff of our series, The Polar Express. And thank you for joining us online. We're so grateful that you're with us here watching online. And this morning, if you would, begin to open up your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 1. The Gospel of Luke, chapter number 1. And hey, I want to say a special thank you to the amazing job that you guys did uh, at uh, TWBC Church during the um, two uh, campaigns that we did. We uh, had Big Tip Sunday, and we actually had restaurants mail us cards where the employees had signed a card saying, thank you so much for making an impact on their life on Big Tip Sunday. And then we fed over 650 families, over 2,500 people with the other churches in the community last Sunday on Be The Service. Can we just give God some praise for that? Amen. So we want to encourage you to continue to help us break the spirit of greed off this region. And hey, we got an opportunity for you this morning. Um, we have 40 of these angels for the angel tree here in this Hopkins County area. And they're back there at the Connect Center. You can grab one right after church. And the cool thing about this is all... And don't bring the clothes here. You'll bring them to the VF Mall. And if you buy the clothes at the VF, you'll get a 15% discount when you show them the angel as you're purchasing the clothes for the angel that you're buying for. And so please, after church today, grab one. One of these and let's be generous and let's change the landscape of this community with helping out angel tree this christmas season and this coming wednesday we have two awesome events taking place number one if you have a child or if you have a young adult in student ministries that is sixth grade through 12th grade a lot of the churches in the community their youth groups are all coming here this coming wednesday to have their uh, student ministry awakening service and that's going to be from 6 30 till 8 o'clock this coming wednesday here at twbc so if you have littles which is is fifth grade and younger we want to encourage you to get them involved in group life and there will be probably one of these on your car and you'll be handed one of these before you leave because we want our kids to do church outside of church this coming wednesday with our children's directors they have a they're going to have a meet and greet a come and go where you can have hot chocolate games and everything at their house and so the address is on this form grab one of these before you leave and jump in on everything happening twbc this december and so we are jumping into a series right now or i should say getting on board with a series right now called the polar express at twbc and it's going to be an amazing journey of faith and knowing about god and finding what god says to you about christmas this year and i'm pretty sure you can already guess what the title of this morning's message is the title of this morning's message is all aboard and so we want every one of you to jump on board with what god is doing at the way bible church to show the community and all those around us that there's still a god who exists there's still a real Jesus who really died for them and rose again to life for them. The power of the Holy Spirit is real to transform lives, to save souls, and for this community to experience an outpouring of what God has for them. Do you believe that this morning? Amen. Oh, come on. I got like three people believe it. Do you believe that this morning? Amen. You know, I've been praying a lot for the church, and I've been praying that December would be a month that we would jump in with the spirit of evangelism. A spirit of evangelism that we would go outside the walls and people would encounter Christ in an amazing way. I heard a lot of people walking in this morning. They looked in and said, wow, this looks great. If, if you said that this morning, just hold your hand. If you thought that, hold your hand. See, we did that for you, but we also did it for the people that we want you to bring to experience and encounter Christ. Because if you thought it was amazing and you see us every week, what about the person who's never come to church in their life? 
They've never had an encounter with God. They simply don't believe. They're discouraged. They have church hurt. They've been burned by religious organizations. And we wanted to create a fresh way for them to encounter God in a safe and amazing environment. And so I do want to say a special thank you to our audiovisual team, to David Renfro. He actually built that train that you see on the platform. Amen. Can y'all give them a hand right quick? They did an amazing job. And Jason, just because I love it and my kids smile every time you do it, can you like do the train thing one more time? Just, just there, there we go. I love it. That's awesome. And so we did all this because in Sulphur Springs in the Hopkins County area, in Hopkins County itself, there's 32,000 people. But if you look at the map, there's five counties that surround Hopkins County, which equate to about 100,000 people. And I find it funny that all the churches in Sulphur Springs seem to be fighting over the thousand others who don't have a place to belong. Come on. I believe that this year God is calling us at TWBC to see 100 people come to know Christ in the month of December. Come on, somebody. Get with me on that. And if you're doubting, that's okay, because before this message is done, we're going to overcome the doubt. We had three people raise their hand to be born again in first service. Amen? So I'm believing for just that many, if not more, in second service and the same in third service. And if you really, really want to, you can leave second service and be back in time for the message in third service with a friend. Come on. It's okay to double dip, and it's okay to bring a friend to get in on the party. Because we want, when we say all aboard, it's not just you. <laughs> when we think all aboard, it's look, I'm on board. Well, when we say all aboard, we want to reach the 100,000 people that aren't being reached. And the avenue for church is that big for us. We have people who drive 30 minutes easily to get to TWBC. Within a 30-minute drive of this, of this building, there is 100,000 people that need to encounter Christ. We have a big task ahead of us. But we have a bigger God behind us. And we have a God that loves them more than we love them. And I pray that the love of God would drive through you to reach them and bring them to a place where they can encounter Christ like they've never experienced Him before. The clip in the movie that I love, or the one line in this clip that we saw that I love, it says this. The conductor's talking and it says, It sounds like this is your crucial year. If I were you... I would think about climbing on board. I think that this is your crucial year. If I were you, I would think about climbing on board. And I believe that statement is true for everyone in this building. I believe that this is your crucial year. More than that, I believe that this is your crucial month. More than that, I believe you're not here by, by mistake this morning. This is your crucial morning. If I were you, I would think about getting on board with what God is wanting to do in your life because he's going to do something absolutely amazing. And we wanted all the kids to stay in here throughout this series because we wanted them to encounter Christ in a way that's different than they've ever encountered him before. So can we give our kids a hand clap of praise this morning? And we pray that they are way more than entertained. They have an encounter with the real, true, living God that would spur us to faith to believe like we never have before. So I want to encourage you all of you to climb on board, but here's the plaguing question. But what do we do with the doubt? What do we do with the doubt? In the movie that we saw, we saw a one little boy who was ready and he saw the boy, or he saw the train and the conductor invited him on. He even saw his name on the list. 
Some of you know that God is calling your name to do something, and his train is pulling up. But here's the crucial choice. We have faith, and we want to get on board, but the minute we try to step out there, a doubt comes in. And, we're, and, and we want to go, and we press in, and we're, we're excited because we're just not sure where the journey's going to take us. So as we step up, we actually step back because we don't know where we're going to. But did you notice as soon as the young boy stepped on the train, he saw things differently. Things that had no life then began to come to life. The snowman began to wave. When you step out there by faith, things that used to have no life will begin to come to life. When you step out there by faith for your marriage this morning, because it's a crucial moment for some of you. And if you step out by faith for your marriage this morning and you get on the train with God, I'm not sure where he's going to take you and I know where he's going to bring you is good. I just don't know where the final destination is going to end. But I do know this, that when you step out there by faith, a dead marriage becomes a live marriage again. I know that some of you are struggling with the children that God has blessed you with. You just don't know how to deal with the age that they're at, whether they're infant all the way through preteen, and you don't know how to deal with their emotions and all the things that are going on. We're not even sure we're raising them right. Can I get an amen from some parents? We don't even know what we're doing sometimes, but we're doing the best we can. But I promise when you begin to take a step of faith with your kids and step out there, the things that used to irritate you, the dead things about them will become to life, and God will begin to work on the inside of those, the, of those that you love the most. So my challenge to you this morning is the train is arriving. Will you get on board? And the second little boy had the same option. He had the same doubt. But did you notice two things about the two boys? One's person name was on the list. He had doubts. The other boy's name was not on the list. He still had doubts. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life because you know Jesus. Your name is on the list, but you're still dealing with doubts. The one boy's name wasn't on the list representing the lost people you know and it's important that you get on the train because you may be the only one to stop the train for the lost person to get on board come on somebody it took a little boy with doubt getting on the train to see things come to life to stop the train so the little boy whose name wasn't written on the list could get on the train and have the same encounter of the name who was on the list what are you going to do with your name because it's on the list? You're here this morning. So I'm pretty sure that you know Jesus. This morning, we're going to overcome the doubt. And if you have doubts this morning, I'm telling you, you're not alone. You're not alone if you have doubts this morning. If you struggle with that term, I want to tell you, you're in the same company of four of the participants in the Bible that participated in the birth of Jesus Christ. In your Bible, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 1, verse 11, there's a man named Zechariah. And he had a wife, and they were old in age. And they had no children. Have y'all ever been struggling with something in life? You know, you've been walking right, you've been in church for a long time, you've been doing right, you've been being right, you've been praying right, you've been doing everything right, and you haven't got what you've been praying for, but people who haven't been living right have been getting what you've been praying for. 
Okay, maybe I'm the only one who sees things like this. Zechariah was a priest at the temple, living right, doing right, but him and his wife didn't have what they wanted most, and that was a child. And an angel of the Lord appears to them. And that's where we'll pick up in verse number 11. And it says this. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And the altar of incense represents prayer. Standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right. I'm sorry. Appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled. Everybody say troubled. When he saw him, and fear fell upon him, but the angel of the Lord said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Aren't you glad that God still hears prayers? Then jump right across the page, the next column over if you're in my Bible. Some of y'all got that. Verse 29 says this, talking about Mary. An angel of the Lord appears to Mary. And it's actually not just any angel. This was Gabriel, the archangel, who stands right next to God and appears to Mary and says this, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled. Everybody say troubled. At the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you shall conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. What a beautiful name it is. Come on, somebody. And then in the gospel of Matthew, chapter number one, Joseph, not the biological daddy of Jesus, but the parental daddy of Jesus, the one who helped raise him. An angel appears to him in a dream, and it says this in verse number 20 of Matthew chapter 1. But as he considered these things, talking about divorcing Mary, as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. Everybody say, do not fear. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, and she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Man, I, I can just rejoice over that scripture all day long. And then finally in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, it says this, And in the same region there were shepherds, out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared. To, there's a lot of angels popping up for this. Uh, did you catch that? And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, saying, Glory to God in the highest. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Everybody say, great fear. And an angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Now, I want to clarify something. When the angel spoke to Joseph, he said, their people, talking about the Jewish people. When the angel spoke to the shepherd, he, the angel said something different. The angel said, it will be for all the people. So God, when he spoke to the shepherd, had Joel in mind. Because <laughs> he's part of all the people, not just some of the people. But if you'll notice in every single one of these, the angel said a certain phrase, do not fear. 
Do not fear. And here's the thing about fear and doubt. They run together. Doubt is either the predecessor of fear or the successor of fear, if not both. See, fear and doubt, they run together like an Oreo cookie. You got doubt on this side, you got the fear in the middle, and you got doubt sandwiching on the other side. Come on, somebody. And with that, whenever you're struggling with fear, it's either doubt is the predecessor or doubt is the successor of what you're going through. And I want to tell you, God wants you to understand where you're at this morning and begin to overcome the doubt that's been plaguing you and open the door to walk through into your destiny of where he's calling you. So in this message, we're going to find out how to overcome doubt in every area of our life. And let's just be real plain about this and address the issue up front. Everybody has doubts. I mean, everybody. I mean, everybody, everybody. I mean, your pastor has doubts. Your pastor, when he hears a word from God, and it may just be one word from God. When I hear a word from God, it's followed by 20 conversations of doubt. Come on, somebody. Some of y'all are like, really? Yes, really. I'll even be a lot more real than that. When I'm sitting in this chair right here, and Corey's usually up here saying, turn your heads to the screens, the above or beside you. And at the end of the video announcements, it says, and let's give God a hand clap of praise as Pastor Joel comes to the platform. If that phrase wasn't said, I would still sit there doubting if I got the right message. I'm being honest. I'm being honest, every single Sunday, not even every single Sunday, every single service of every single Sunday. So I already know the doubt is going to happen next service, and I'm preparing the faith that I need to overcome the doubt that I know that's going to try and stop the message that I'm supposed to bring. And so literally every Sunday, I'll be sitting right there in one of those four chairs, and I'll be thinking, did I get it theologically right? Did it get it hermeneutically right? Is it homiletically right? Is it right phrasing? Is it going to catch people's attention? Is it going to bring people to an encounter with God? And I'm running through 500 questions of doubting everything I worked on all week, three seconds before I got to get up and present it. And if you just lost all faith in me, you had too much faith in me and not enough in him. And if I am now lower on your pedestal, good, because that's where I'm the only one that should be high and lifted up, highly exalted. It's his word, not mine. And I've done it. I can't mess it up. I mean, I can mess up what I say, but I can't mess up his word. And even when I have messed up his word, somebody came to me afterwards and said, you know, that changed my life. And I'm like, how in the world when it was horrible? I mean, I'll just, I'll just be real, real. During the song set, we were singing, Oh, Come All Ye Faithful. And I'm thinking, am I even qualified to sing that song since I got doubts about what I'm fixing to have to get up and preach? So maybe I should change it, Oh, Come All You Doubters. Oh, Come All You Religious Hurt People. Oh, Come All You Disqualified People. Oh, come all you people who don't have it all together. I want, oh, come all ye faithful, but I also want all the doubters, the disqualified, the ones who are struggling with sin, the one who can't get out of their own way, the ones who have issues. I want them all to come because when the angel appeared to the shepherds, he said it's for all the people, not just those who don't have doubts. 
So how do we move past the doubts and get to where God's called us to be? The actual definition of the word doubt means this. To call into question the truth of something or to be uncertain or in suspect of something. So it's to call the validity of the truth of something. It is called that into question or to be uncertain or in suspect of something. But it goes on to explain what type of word doubt is. Doubt is a transitive verb, and that means it's characterized by having or containing a direct object. So it's qualifying that doubt is not just this thing that's floating around you. It's something that you've grabbed a hold of in a container, and you're holding it. So you've grabbed a hold of doubt somewhere. And in this, God's going to show us that the greatest things of God are simply just on the other side of our doubt. The greatest things of God in your life are just on the other side of that doubt that you're going through this morning. The greatest things of your life, Marcos, are on the other side of that one thing that if I'll just take that step of faith, if I'll just step forward, the greatest things of God are just on the other side of my doubt. So why is doubt so crippling? A lot of people live under the assumption that if I have doubt, God can't use me. If I have doubts, God can't use me. The truth is this, that your doubt is the reason he's asking you to get on the train in the first place. In the movie that we just saw, the reason the boy had to get on the train is because he was doubting in the first place, and, and, the, and the conductor wanted to prove that it was real. The reason God's asking you to get out there and take a step in the faith in the first place is because he wants to overcome your doubt. Your doubt is the reason he's calling you. It's not disqualifying you. And so with this process that we're going to go through, um, faith is not the absence of doubt. Faith is the means to overcome your doubt. And many people stand at the door of their destiny, but never turn the doorknob because of the doubt of, I don't know what's on the other side. I'm doubting. I'm in suspect of, as the actual definition is, I'm in suspect of what's on the other side of this door if I make that decision at the end of this service to believe in Jesus. I'm in suspect of it. But in the, Jesus is still calling your name. It's because of the doubt that he's calling your name So you'll step forward by faith And overcome the doubt And have an encounter with the real Jesus Jesus is wanting to do something That no one else can do So doubt is not bad Doubt is actually very normal Doubt is actually very normal, Beth It's something we all face It's something we all go through it's something we're all uh, uh, battling in some aspect of our life. And it doesn't matter if you're in kindergarten in the room, you're dealing with doubt. It doesn't matter if you're in third grade in the room, you're dealing with doubt. Or fifth grade or seventh grade or you're in college or you're in student ministries or you're in our young adult class or if you're in the congregation. Everybody in this room struggles with it at some point. Am I making the right decision? But listen, many times... The doubt is more about our inadequacies than his abilities. Doubt, Kaysen, a lot of times in my life, it's more about my inadequacies rather than his abilities. It's more about what I know that I'm not versus what I know that he is. And because I'm so focused on what I'm not, I'm missing out on who he is. Because I'm so focused on my inadequacies, I'm missing his abilities. 
and what he's calling me to do and what he wants to do. The struggle we have is that we do not see a way through the doubt. And when we can't see a way through, usually our first turn is inward rather than upward. When we can't see a way through, our first question is, how am I going to get this done? (laughs) See, we're turning inward, not upward. When we can't figure out how to pay the bills, I don't know how I'm going to make ends meet. We turn inward, not upward. When we're taking a test in school, if you're taking tests, we, add, we say, I don't know how I'm going to pass this test. <laughs> Come on, you're doubting. There's doubt there. And it's because of our inadequacies, but in the midst of our inadequacies, we look inward, not upward to his abilities. And we got to start looking upward. The psalmist wrote this when he realized he was inadequate and couldn't get through and couldn't find a way through. He said, when I'm inadequate, I turned inward and didn't find the answer. So now I'm going to lift my eyes to the hills from where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The answer to begin to overcome your doubt is to quit looking inward because the answer ain't there. It's to look upward to the one who created it all. That's where your help comes from. That's who he is. And I want to tell you this. The first step in doing it is looking upward. The second is stepping forward. And I'm going to make a bold statement and tell you when you're struggling with doubt, do it by faith in spite of your doubt. Do it in spite of the doubt. Not because of it. Don't do it because of the doubt. Do it in spite of the doubt. Do it in spite of the doubt that you're battling. And the crazy thing is, when I read the Bible, I see a lot more doubt than faith a lot of times, Alan. I do. I read the Bible, and I read about Moses and the great leader that he was. But when I read the Bible, I see all of Moses saying the same thing Joel says. I can't speak good enough. I'm not strong enough. They're never going to believe me. They're not going to follow me. And every time God gave him an answer, he said, I'll bring you somebody else. (laughs) When When I read about Joshua... Who is going to take over Moses? Now, the Israelites, they must be really, as the Bible says, a stiff-necked people because Moses didn't want to deal with them. Joshua didn't want to deal with them. All the leaders said, just take them, right? Jeremiah wept over them. He's called the weeping prophet for a reason. I don't even want to know all that Isaiah thought about them. (laughs) And so I read Joshua. And in the first nine verses, the first nine verses, Dennis, this is what it says. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous, John? Have I not commanded you, David, to be strong and courageous? Now, I begin to wonder this, John. As I read about Joshua, if God's to the point of saying, have I not commanded, how many prior conversations about it did they have? Because I know when I'm talking to my kids about stuff. Please do this. Please do this. And then finally it gets to the point of a command. Do it. Right? And it's not that I love them less or more. It's, it's just... It had to add. And so and when I read Joshua, how long had the conversation escalated? So when Joshua started writing Joshua... <laughs> he left out all the precursor stuff and said, God commanded me... <laughs> When I read the Bible, I see more faith than doubt. I see Peter who started out with great faith. I'm walking on water. All of a sudden, he looks around and he's six feet under. 
Some of you, your marriage started out with great faith. You were walking on water. You thought it was amazing. And then before you know it, your marriage feels like it's six feet under. And I'm glad Jesus has two hands because if it's that bad, some of you would said, take mine, not theirs. <laughs> Let the other spouse sink and resurrect them later. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Every one of the leaders dealt with doubt. John the Baptist, who Jesus and John met in the wombs, like, like Mary walked in and John the Baptist jumped because he knew it was the Messiah. John's in prison saying, is he really Jesus? Is he the Messiah, or should I expect somebody else? Because it ain't turning out like I thought it would turn out. He had doubts. In this, do it in spite of the doubts, because great leaders in the Bible have dealt with doubts, and I see all the great leaders God has called dealing with doubt in some way, shape, or form. And so do not assume that faith is the absence of doubt. Faith in your life is the power to overcome the doubt that's plaguing you so you'll step and get all aboard on where God is taking you because he's got something he wants to show you and he wants other people to come along with the ride with you. And so when we get on board, we're going to do it in spite of the doubt. And so when we deal with doubt, our response to God is this many times. God, I want proof. In the movie, The Polar Express... The conductor said, we're going to the North Pole, of course. <laughs> it was obvious to him because he had been there, but the boy hadn't seen it, so the boy was asking for proof that the conductor wasn't going to provide. He had to get on the train and go for the ride. Many times it's the same in our life. We're asking for proof that God won't provide. He wants us to get on the journey and go on the ride with him so we have an encounter with him, an experience with him, trusting that he'll get us to our desired destination, wherever that may be, in the life that he's creating for you. And this is why Bible, the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because we're always asking for proof, and God's saying, I want faith. I want faith. I want faith. So true belief is not the absence of doubts either. True belief is recognizing the doubt, then lifting your eyes to the deliverer who can bring you through the doubt. True belief is recognizing it in your life, knowing that it's there. I'm struggling with this, oh God, but I'm lifting my eyes to the one who can deliver me from the doubt that's plaguing me. And when I lift my eyes to the deliverer, things begin to change. And some of you are asking this question, but pastor... I'm glad you read your Bible because you're throwing James 1.6 in my face right now in your mind. But what about James? What about James chapter number 1 verse number 6 when it says this, But let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts. And, and, and I love how dramatic people read this. He's like the waves of the sea tossed to and fro by the wind, you know. <laughs> like, like we use this as a great faith message when everybody's struggling with doubts. And it actually makes people not step out in faith because they think they're in sin because they have a doubt contradicting their faith. But when we read it, we read it from the actual contextual translation. We read it in English. And it says, with no doubting. The word doubt, according to the Strong's Concordance, means this, to separate thoroughly, to withdraw from it. 
And if you'll combine that with the first thing we read about doubt, it's a container that you've grabbed hold of. So when it says, with no doubting, doubting is a present tense action word. So it says you've got to quit grabbing hold of the doubt container and doubting and put it aside. And you've got to ask with the faith container that he's given you. Because Romans 12, 3, according to the Apostle Paul, says God has given everyone the measure of faith. The measure means it's the amount of faith that you need to overcome the doubt that you're going through in the moment. Come on, that's good news. And so if you're struggling with doubt, God says there's another measuring system. See, your doubt's in a container, but my faith is in a measurement. And the amount of faith that you need to overcome the doubt is so much less than the baptistry size of doubt that you're going through. Jesus explains the measure that you need, and he said, if you have faith of a mustard seed, come on. A mustard seed then with that you can say to a mountain be moved a mountain be moved so what James and Paul are saying do not contradict each other they're actually saying the same thing from different sides of the hill James is approaching it this way Paul is approaching it this way and what they're both saying is this you've got to make a distinction in your mind about what you're going to do because you can't hold on to the doubt container and the faith container at the same time you must separate thoroughly from the your faith from the doubt that is plaguing you and you must grab hold of the faith that is before you and with the doubt in that area over there I'm grabbing hold of both hands with the faith that's right here and I'm taking a step forward and going with God to where he's called me to be and I'm going to get to a place that he's desiring me to get to. James is saying you have a choice to make when you pray. I can believe my doubt or I can believe my deliverer. I'm going to trust him when I can't see it. Brandon, I'm going to trust him when I can't feel it. I'm going to trust him when I don't understand it. I'm going to trust it when it doesn't make sense. I'm going to trust him because I trust what he did with his son for me. If I want proof from God that he's faithful, I don't need to look ahead of what he's taking me to. I need to look back at the cross, what he brought his son through. And that is my confirmation that he is faithful to me to bring me to where he's calling me. In this moment, I'm going to trust him. Do I got doubts? I got doubts about how I'm going to do the altar call. I got doubts about what's going to happen three minutes from now. Sorry if that lowers my elevation of you. Or you, that lowers your elevation of me. But I'm telling you, it just runs through my head. That Joel, you got seven minutes till we got to be walking out the door. And I'm contemplating, arguing with God about something that could affect your destiny do you see the danger of doubt and I'm reminded of this song it's an old hymn that we sang at the Methodist church growing up and real simple it says I have decided to follow Jesus and it says it three times it's I have decided to follow Jesus Paul I have decided to follow Jesus, Rebecca. I've decided to follow Jesus, Daniel. And then it says, no turning back. No turning back. And then the next chorus is, though none go with me, I'm still going to follow. Even though I can't see it, 
It doesn't feel right. I don't have the proof of it. I've made a decision by faith. I'm pushing the doubt aside. It's not that it's, it's gone, but I'm grabbing hold of the faith in me with the measure he gave it to me. And I'm following Jesus in this next step. Some of you need to make a decision, whether you're in the balcony or you're on the floor, to follow Jesus. And I know you got doubts. I know all your questions aren't answered. I know you don't understand everything. But there are somebody in this room, I know, I know it, that you need to make a decision that says, I believe in Jesus today. I really believe. I'm like the boy, I saw my name, and Jesus is talking to me, and I'm going to step out and I'm going to get on the train. I don't know where it's taking me. I don't understand it all fully, but I know that I've heard my name being called, and I'm going to step. I've decided to follow Jesus. And I'm going to ask that everybody across the room bow your heads and close your eyes. Nobody looking around. Seriously, nobody looking around. Jason, can you pull the lights up just a hair? Nobody looking around. And I want to ask you a very serious question. For those of you in the room who have never made a decision to follow Jesus, this is your time. And if you want to follow Jesus... And make him Lord of your life. I'm just asking you to hold your hand up real high just for a minute. Just hold your hand up real high. Yes, hold it up. Keep holding it up just for a minute. By faith, hold it up. Five, six, seven. Seven hands. I love it. I love it. You can put your hands down. In just a minute... Please, please do this for me. I'm not begging you, but I'm asking with everything that I have. Please do this for me. If you prayed that prayer in just a minute, would you go pray with somebody that's standing on the outside of this building? Go pray with them. It's too important of a decision to not go pray with somebody about, and they'll help explain everything to you because it's needed, and we love you. this morning if you struggle with doubt in any area of your life if you're just struggling with doubts do I really believe do I really believe Jesus do I really believe in what the Bible says do I really believe about the things I hear about what God's gonna do for my life do I really believe do I really believe that God has the best intentions for me do I believe that God is good if you're struggling with doubt in any area of your life we just hold your hand up real high and be bold I mean, I'm holding my hand up. I, I have doubts. I told you I doubted before I even started the altar call. And so if you're doubting about something this morning, you don't have to do this alone. The Bible says wherever two or more agree upon it is touching anything, he'll bring it to you. It'll be done for you, the Bible says. So if you have doubts this morning, I'm going to ask that you separate that from the faith that you know you have in Jesus. And in just a minute, go pray with the prayer room and watch your life be transformed. Would everybody across the room stand for me real quick? We're going to sing the chorus of this song, what a beautiful name it is. And when we sing this song, if you want to take communion, line up between sections one and two. If you made that first decision to make Jesus, I want to give you first opportunity to take a step of faith and begin to go and pray with somebody. Go and pray with somebody this morning. And as we begin to sing, 
Anyone else is welcome to go for a prayer of faith, encouragement, a prayer of healing, whatever you need. We want to meet that need. So here we go. In three, two, one. Take a step of faith. Go pray with somebody. What a beautiful...